On this episode of AV Week, the future of interactive boards and higher education, as well as K-12 AI and AV, and the maturity of AV over IP. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 600, recorded Friday, February 17th, 2023. Clippy GPT. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have got this week. First and foremost, her name is Bren Walker, and she is an incredible uh, person, designer. She has an incredible story. You need to know her, but she also works for Kierkegaard as well. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you very much. And I just want to say I'm wearing a Howard University t-shirt today. Go Bison. Oh, look at that. All right. I'm in D.C. this week. Too. Oh, you're in D.C. this week. Very cool. Yes. I don't know, ever know where Bren is, just to be frank. And that's part of what makes her fascinating to me. Also with us is a young lady I've known for a long time, uh, Brittany uh, DeCessory. She is currently with my good friend, Mr. Steve Greenblatt, over at Control Concepts. Welcome, ma'am. Thanks. Happy to be here for my first AV week. All right, Brittany. Yeah. Has he has he not on had you on on State of Control? No, I haven't been on State of Control. I've. Are you serious? Maybe one day. Who knows? <laughs> All right, we're going to talk to that man. All right. Last but not least, Tom LeBlanc. Uh, again, a uh, young man I've known for a long time, Tom. Uh, it comes to us from NSCA, which is having their BLC, Business Leadership Conference, and by the time you listen to us in about a week's time. So welcome, sir. Yeah, thanks. And it's uh, great to be here again. I'm a, I'm a returning guest, so it's great to be here again. It has been a minute, though, Mr. LeBlanc. You, you've been kind of busy, you know, run, running the NSCA. That, that, uh, all right. Um, by the time you hear this, we'll be a week away or a week from, I guess, the the Super Bowl uh, happened the uh, the second week of February, not for nothing, but but my boss is a big uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan, so so congratulations mm. to them. I am still a Bears fan. I do not care. Yes, we have the number one draft pick currently, which tells you how the Bears did. If you are any sort of, <laughs> of, of American football fan, you know Tim, I never make a big thing of this, but I'm originally from Cleveland, and I think I can trump you on any dissatisfaction. Okay, when it comes to the NFL. I, I will give you that, right? I will 100%. I mean, and, and I have a lot of respect for the Browns. Uh, just, yeah, you, you've got me on that one. Everybody's got res- respect. We <laughs> want more than respect. <laughs> <laughs> we want a trophy. <laughs> so the other day, a gentleman that used to work with, with LeBlanc, uh, he and I go back and forth about the Patriots, and he sent me a message to everybody. He goes, by the way, this is the 40th anniversary of the of the best uh, Super Bowl ever, and that oh, yeah. was the '85 Bears, or the, not, not quite the, the the 40th anniversary, but but the anniversary of the '85 Bears winning the Super Bowl, of course, over the the, the New England Patriots. So, yeah, not a close mm-hmm. game. Not a well, not a close game, and it was the last time the Bears won the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was the last time the Bears were fun. How can you not? They had personality. They had swagger. They, they had a fun. Grammy award-winning song for crying out loud. All right, I mean, what yeah. other football team in the history of the NFL has a Grammy award-winning Super Bowl song? Or a song? So, yeah. All right. Anyhow, Super Bowl. 
part of that, the, the, the team that the, that the Chiefs beat were, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles uh, have partnered this year with technology company Packet uh, AV to deliver a quote-unquote game-changing viewing experience. The Packet AV Matrix Series and Packet TV IPTV uh, are quote-unquote leading-edge technologies that enable seamless distribution of audio and video content. The result of that is quote-unquote unmatched clarity of sound and picture, allowing you to stay in the action no matter where you are in the stadium. The thing about this, though, is it's AV over IP in a major NFL stadium. Bryn, we are absolutely going to start with you on this. In addition to the Eagles Stadium employing AV over IP, where the Super Bowl was held at State Farm Arena in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, that also deployed AV over IP. SoFi Stadium, where the Chargers play, and another team uh, that I refuse to say happens to be the Rams that used to live in St. Louis, <laughs> they also have deployed AV over IP. So for a minute here, I'm thinking that AV over IP has come into something, right? They've achieved something. They've reached this level of maturity where there are folks that are comfortable enough with this technology that they'll 100% deploy it in multi-billion dollar stadiums. So why has AV over IP reached this level of, of maturity and, and is being used in these mission-critical systems? I think because it's been deployed widely already in many different kinds of venues. We, uh, you know, when I saw this, I thought this this is probably news for that particular technology, which I admit I haven't had a chance to look at closely. And I wasn't at the Super Bowl, so I didn't see how they how they actually used it at the Super Bowl in terms of distributing different things to different places. But um, I think we're already here. I don't even think it's a question about AV over IP. I think it's just a matter of, you know, there's some folks who are used to the old broadcast standards. And just like anything else, you know, things age out, people age out, and new technologies eventually are fully adopted. It only makes sense. It actually brings down the cost of running a, a broadcast system like that. Yeah. Um, and it extends the possibility in terms of how you can d- distribute your content. So we're doing AV over IP in high school. So it sort of feels like, you know, this is a little like the, you know, AV or IT conversation. It's all one now anyway. You know, this is the next step of AV being networkable. That, that's a different conversation that I wasn't looking forward to getting into, but we can. Uh, Brent, I don't think we have to. I think it's settled, right? Yeah, it depends on who on Twitter you ask, though, Bren. That's the problem. Um, Brittany, same kind of question is, is, is why has, has this thing reached this level of, of comfort, uh, you know, to, to get deployed in these high, high profile environments? Yeah, well, I I think, you know, what Brent said is is absolutely right and I think, you know, you're seeing the the cost savings and the convenience of it and it's outweighing outweighing those minor trade-offs. And I think, you know, it's it's really making sure you understand that it's meeting the it's meeting the need that the solution requires. And so, I think even to that, it's making sure that all the pieces that are involved in it work together too. So they, you know, mention it being run through the QSIS ecosystem and, and all of that, you know, you've, you've got to make sure you're present there and make sure that you're fitting within that ecosystem. So none of that would have been even an option uh, if they weren't present within that ecosystem. So you've got to keep that in mind too. Yeah, not for nothing, but Brittany was a part of a pretty significant announcement during ISE and QSIS and their brand uh, spanking new programmers. It's their developer partner program. Yeah, their, yeah. De- their developer program, yeah. Uh, Tom, last one for you. What, what's the next hurdle? 
for, for AV over IP? What, what's the next highlight? What's the next paramount? What's the next zenith for, for AV over IP to tackle? Is it, you know, the Department of Defense and, and their knocks? Is it, you know, um, some sort of in some sort of, of high profile government, you know, security or government first responder uh, area? Well, it's certainly a hurdle, right? There's no, there's no doubt about that. You know, to reach the level of confidence um, that it takes to install AV over IP or any solution in an environment like that, it just takes a lot of confidence for, you know, the designer, the integrator. I want to say, you know, Visionary, the company that makes uh, Packet AV, they're an NSCA member. We think they do um, great stuff. They have a great reputation, um, and I, I think that both Brittany and Bren made great points. Um, I, I think, you know, the hurdle that you mentioned, I think it's cybersecurity. So mm, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, that's really uh, an important thing to talk about here is, you know, the question about cybersecurity and challenging integrators to ask themselves if they have the cybersecurity credentials that their customers need them to have. You know, they're going to be sending information over clients' networks, you know, whether they deem that to be mission critical in, you know, for the particular project or not. They have to think about whether or not they're taking the right steps. Are they going through cybersecurity training? Are they getting certified? Do they have cybersecurity insurance? So like a project like the Eagles facility or any of those facilities, it's, that's a great example of how customers definitely do want AV over IP solutions. I think integrators need to look in the mirror and kind of determine if they're ready to de deliver on those demands and, and in doing so protect their clients' networks. Yeah. Yeah, and, and further to Tom's point, I think that it is still nascent enough that it hasn't been tested in that way, right? I don't. I don't think AV over IP has been attacked in significant ways for us to know and to actually. I mean, because the only, the way to build security is by being attacked, really, um, because there are people who are out there smarter than you who learn how to learn where your vulnerabilities are. They show you those vulnerabilities and then you correct them. So there will be this point at which we'll have this wave of things where someone's going, there'll be a, a rash of someone attacking and bombing a feed. And obviously that can't happen during the Super Bowl. It can't happen during a presidential address or anything like that. So that part's yeah. still to come. And I agree, Tom. I think a lot of people aren't even, I think cybersecurity from the standpoint coming from a designer dealing with integrator point of view um, is one of those things that's like, it falls through the cracks of who owns this, you know? And no one wants to own it because what does it really mean? I mean, it lot, means a lot of different things and it's very difficult to, in our arena, to get people with the technical skill in cybersecurity to come here because frankly, they can be paid a lot more by doing cybersecurity for Bank of America. Mm -hmm. So we're going to struggle on that front. And at some point it's going to happen and the whole industry will have to face it and deal with it. There is a quote that I have used for years and I will continue to use for years from uh, Teresa Payton, the first CTO of the White House back in the early 2000s. I, I saw a presentation she did once and she said, it's not a question of if, but when your network will get attacked necessarily hacked, but your network will get attacked and Bren's right. I don't think that we've seen a, a, a significant uh, attempt at any of these AV, AV over IP systems. Uh, Microsoft has announced a development in their Teams premium software. The GPT technology behind ChatGPT is being integrated into Teams, delivering a, an exceptional new level of collaboration and communication. 
With this AI technology, Teams Premium can provide unparalleled levels of personalized productivity, automation, streamlining, collaboration, and making your meetings more efficient. Now, I said this before we started recording. I have no problem saying this again. I send these stories out on Tuesdays, typically is what I do. Happened to be that I was I was listening to the, the New York Times podcast. I have no, no, no qualms about promoting it. It's a good podcast. You should listen to it. And they were talking about the new Bing chat feature. It's in, it's in beta. You can sign up to, to be on the wait list. So, so don't, don't sweat that. Great new technology. They were, they were using it to, to do some searching. And then the, the, the reporter for the times that, that was writing that story happened on Wednesday and Thursday to have a conversation with the Bing chat where it ultimately told him that it, its name was Sydney and it wanted to be free. <clears throat> now, there's some Skynet jokes that we can always uh, absolutely do. And if you're too young, you understand what Skynet is. Go Google it. Skynet's name is apparently Sydney. Um, it also started to hit on him, which I thought was very odd. So there are some issues with, with AI, right? And, and if it, the, the, the reporter reached out to Microsoft and a couple of really smart AI folks and said, well, it's just giving you what, what it thinks you want. And, and, but there's still some, some significant issues here. Brittany, we're going to start with you on this. AI continues to push into, into all aspects, including into AV and unified mm -hmm. communications. How will AI continue to disrupt this market? How will AI continue to disrupt not just the AV market, but also unified communications and, mm -hmm. and quite frankly, how we do our meetings and our communications? Yeah, I mean, first off, I have to say and preface this with I'm a terrible millennial and I still love paper and pen and I'm not all about like everything being technology driven. So sorry about that. But, you know, I think it's cool as someone who used to have to take meeting minutes uh, and <laughs> had to capture everything that was said, you know, it's it's really great and it can be a great tool. I think we have to be careful that we don't lose that human connection and the human side of all of this. I think there are things and nuances that can be picked up and perceived by a human that AI necessarily can't necessarily do right now. Um, and I think we also have to keep in mind over automating things isn't always the best approach. Um, and it has its time and it has its place, but we have to think about when we implement it and when we decide, you know what, let's let it take a back seat. We need a real life person doing this right now. Um, so it definitely has its, its pros and cons. And like I said, I kind of weigh more towards the, I'd rather get a pen and paper to do this. So. All right. Nothing wrong with pen and paper. I, I'm a big <laughs> fan of pen and paper. Uh, Mr. LeBlanc, same, same question here is, is, is how is this going to impact? How is AI going to continue to impact the industry? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think we know. And, you know, so I, on a personal level, kind of like Brittany just described, I can see things that are really cool about it. You know, like the idea of transcribing a meeting or something like that. I can get pretty excited about that. And, you know, I, I think I read something about, um, you know, like auto creating, um, like intros to presentations and things like that, things that take time, but, you know, like it's, if, if it was done effectively would really you know, improve presentation and allow you to economize your time better. I can get really excited about that. As somebody who represents a trade association that supports the industry, though, you got to kind of proceed a little bit cautiously with this thing because, you know, like recommending a technology 
you know, for integrators to th start thinking about how they might incorporate it into their system designs. That's another story. We actually asked um, NSCA's Emerging Technologies Committee to spend some time uh, evaluating, you know, what this, like this, what is it, chat GPT? Yeah. You're trying to understand a little bit more about, you know, what it might eventually mean for integrators um, so that we can, you know, better understand it and feel more comfortable, you know, recommending or not recommending they look into it further. But I will say in my former life as a reporter, because I used to be a reporter before I worked for NSCA, I hated transcribing recorded interviews. And I did a lot of those interviews on Teams. So, so a lot of this stuff seems like a dream come true in those regards. I just want to you know, I, I just want to differentiate my personal opinion from the associations. So let me ask you this, because I, I, I have used ChatGPT since I first heard about it in, in the end of, of December. I have used it on several different in several different ways, several different areas. Have any of you, the rest of you, used it in any way, shape or form? And maybe not ChatGPT, but but AI stuff. Okay. Yep. I started looking at Watson a long time ago and, and programming with Watson a long time ago. And I mean, I look at it this way. ChatGPT is a toddler. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do toddlers do? You know, they throw stuff, they have tantrums, you know, <laughs> sometimes they say the wrong thing. Sometimes they repeat that dad said, you know, the F word. I mean, that's, that's what toddlers do. And <laughs> machine learning is just like us, right? It over time, it learns and it needs massive amount of exposure in order to get better. Microsoft, as we know, has a tendency to like feature overload us. And a lot of times we look at things from Microsoft and think, just take away 80% of this and give me the 20% I really want. Yeah. Now, if they can, if they can actually realize with GPT what they were trying to do with Clippy, then they oh. might Clippy. <laughs> think about it. If they can actually realize that with GPT and remove some menu options from some of their applications, I think that's a win. Oh, Clippy was the thing that popped up. If, right? if I if I open up Word next time <laughs> and in a in a Clippy GPT pops up, <laughs> I'm gonna send you a text or something. <laughs> it's coming. You know, I it's not coming. Clippy. Something else. No, right? not Clippy. It doesn't have to be. Well, it probably could be Clippy. Most people wouldn't remember. Clippy. Well, no, but it would it, 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 be old <laughs> but school now. But it's the same thing, right? It would be old it, school. It would be nostalgic at this point, mm -hmm. right? Clippy, Clippy. Right. Somebody somewhere, some millennial has a as a tattoo of Clippy. I'm certain, right? <laughs> but it's but it was but Clippy was trying to be that. It was trying to be an intelligent agent that helped you do what you want to do. And really, you know, AI will be better at doing that than Clippy will. Mm -hmm. So I think it's all just nascent, and that as things as something like that gets ex more exposure, more data, more opportunities, it will get better. In terms of what we do in the industry, our approach to it is we're looking at how we use AI to streamline what we do so that we understand how it works before we try to put it in anybody's systems. You know, how can we use it to make our document generation more efficient to make it happen faster? Well, how can we use it to help us with our marketing and our business mm -hmm. development? If we work with it as a tool, then we'll understand it. We'll know how to implement it in systems where it makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, don't do it, you know, but anybody who's doing it now, it's sort of like, you know, we're in this universe where we accept things that are not fully baked products. 
Every time somebody buys a new iPhone, they're buying a, a device that is basically not fully baked. And and it, whether you whether you acknowledge it or not, that's what's happening. Like, you know, tech puts products in the market all the time that are not ready, mm-hmm. and we help them get ready. And this is going to go through that same evolution to me. Uh, last story: LG Electronics has launched an advanced new product to support the future of education. The LG Create Board is an interactive display designed to enhance collaboration and creativity in the classroom with advanced features such as multi-touch capabilities and a user-friendly interface. The LG Create Board allows for seamless interaction and engagement between students and teachers. Display also integrates uh, with a lot of popular education software, uh, making it easy to implement in any classroom. Mr. LeBlanc, talk to you first on this. What is the future of of interactive displays for education, whether that's K-12 or higher ed, based on what you're hearing back from, from your dealers at NSCA? Yeah, well, I think it's actually a really exciting market right now. I mean, there's so much going on in terms of in terms of us being, you know, kind of at the very beginning of an evolution of of what has already started in classrooms. I mean, I'm not not just with the trade association, but you know, I've got you know two boys in elementary school. And, well, actually, no, I've got I have a boy in elementary school. I have a boy in middle school. So uh, they're growing up on you, Tom. I, I should know how that. old they are. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you see, like you, you know, when you talk to the teachers, um, you, you can you can see some of them really embracing the opportunity to leverage the technology in the classroom, and you can see that they view it as like a way to elevate the experience for the students. And I think we're at the very beginning of that. This LG product, I know LG is really excited about it. Um, you know, from an integrative standpoint, it's supposed to be you know very turnkey, which is great because less you know moving parts, less labor. It's supposed to be very intuitive, so um, you know less time uh, you know training your technicians on how to install it, and also less yeah. time uh, you know training end users on how to use it. But I think what what excites me more is what it represents in the classroom. I want to also say the connection between not just the education standpoint, but making the classrooms more connected from a security standpoint. You know, we're uh, unfortunately in the news all too often where, you know, we're, we're hearing about how important it is to have better communication and uh, emergency signaling throughout schools. And, you know, technologies like this allow an AV integrator to play a role in, uh, you know, mass communication uh, emergency um solutions. And, and I think that's noteworthy as well. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about the, the mass notification, the emergency notification uh, implications of this product. That's actually a really good point. Brent, when when you look at, when, when we were talking um, off air here about, about some of the, the designs that she's doing, look at education and some of those folks. Where in education does this make sense? I mean, you, I mean we're talking, we're talking math labs, are we talking science, are we talking music theory like where where does where do interactive boards in general make the most sense well they certainly make sense in 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 anything that's arts related okay um and we're looking at putting some i was actually happy to see this product because what i've heard back from some of our education clients is that they've been dissatisfied with smart boards in the past Mm -hmm. and so they're looking for something that actually works and that their older faculty or less technology savvy faculty doesn't get frustrated with, right? That they actually can use. So it's a natural for us to put this in a music building, let's say. And 
you know, sort of related to that, there was uh, in 2020 when, you know, the world was shut down, uh, SCUP, which is the Society of College University, College and University Planners, had their conference online. And they talked about what was happening in education and how there's this demographic cliff coming in 2026 where enrollment is going to fall off huge. Hmm. And, and what started happening with COVID in 2020 is accelerating now where the most, the top schools, the elite schools are still able to compete and recruit students. The community colleges are falling down and schools in the middle tier are closing up. So we're seeing this sort of this sort of concentration of at one end or the other of of what's happening with higher education institutions. And the ones that are in the middle, your sort of state U kind of schools, are looking for ways that they can compete and they have to build better facilities and they have to have better technology in what they build now in order to compete with that top tier. And I think a product like this and being able to talk about a different kind of classroom experience is the sort of thing that can help a school be more competitive than they would otherwise be. So it's good news for schools that still have money, have the money and can invest in some new technology to try to attract both faculty and students by saying our classroom experience is going to be different from the state you and the, and the, and the neighboring state. Yeah. It's interesting, and I do have a really quick follow-up question to that. But but uh, Tom Tom's children are in middle school and elementary. My daughter is applying to colleges wow. at this moment in time. <laughs> that hurt a lot to say. Uh, she she's a junior. She's a she's a phenom. She's thirteen. Oh, right? No, there no, you go. <laughs> she's, she's darn near seventeen. And so some of these though, the marketing on some of these colleges and universities. I'm, I'm noticing a lot of smaller class sizes, more one-on-one -on -one with teachers, right? These are, these are the marketing points that, that they're bringing in as well as the interactive technology, as well as the advances in technology. That is something that 30 some odd years ago when I was in college, uh, it wasn't, right? It was, we have a, 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 a auditorium of 300 people for you to take your biology class, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, was, that was the selling point. Bren, you said that the 2026 was kind of this enrollment cliff. Why was that? Is it is it population? What was the what was the reasoning behind it? Yeah, it's about the age. It's about the number of people who are going to be at college entering age in okay. 2026. Okay. And that number is smaller because basically their parental group was also a smaller population. And that parental group is having fewer kids than their grandparents. Okay. Yeah, I see the, right. Yeah. So that's what it's about. All right, hmm. Brittany, uh, you'll be uh, wrapping up this one. Yeah. How is this going to uh, uh, affect really the, these interactives of how is it going to affect how we teach and how we teach our kids and, and how we you know come up with this and, and leverage these technologies? Like, like Bryn said, getting them to kind of interact with mm -hmm. the curriculum, get interact with whether that's art or math yeah. or science. Yeah. I mean, so I, I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old and how they learn is so drastically different from how I learned. But I'll say I, as an arts major, this would have drastically changed uh, how we learned in, in college. And um, learning music theory, uh, this would have just totally impacted that 
tremendously from the amount of different tutoring sessions that had to happen to make sure you understood the concepts. Um, But I'll say being able to allow for this type of interaction, I think we're able to teach across the different styles. I think we're able to provide those visual learning aspects while auditorily uh, explaining the the details and being able to um, share those screens and be able to see all the different things and help. You know, we're, we're hearing universities tout smaller classrooms. I could see this being able to build those back up a little bit and um, have that interactivity where it doesn't need to be a five to one ratio or 10 to one ratio to get you um, students who are interested in seeing your, being a part of your university. I think you could go a little bit bigger at this point because you have the ability to uh, have that, that interactivity. So I think it could definitely uh, be huge. And I'm, my son's school has a few different smart boards. And like Bren mentioned, you've, got to make sure it's user-friendly and it's easy to pick up and and utilize. And so um, some of the teachers at his school use it, some of them don't. And I think making sure that that barrier to entry is is lower and you're factoring in that lowest common denominator and making it, you know, as user-friendly as you can is going to be huge. Yeah. Smart, smart boards need their Zoom moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, 2020 brought us the Zoom moment where everybody learned to use Zoom because you had to go to the birthday party or Zoom or you had to go to the, you know, all of a sudden all the meetings were Zoom. And I think smart boards just need that moment where all of a sudden all the educators are like, oh, I've got to use this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll, then they will, you know, we're adaptable. Yeah, absolutely. We're adaptable. I mean, good Lord, look, look what happened the last two or three years. So absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. That is going to do it for us. Thank you all so much. Bren Walker from Kierkegaard. Thank you, ma'am. How do people connect with you or Kierkegaard? You can connect with me, Bren, at Kierkegaard.com or on LinkedIn, Brenda J. Walker. All right. Very good. Brittany DeCessary uh, from Control Concepts. Thank you, ma'am. How do people connect with you or Control Concepts? Uh, yeah. So you can learn more about Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net. And you can connect with me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Britt Dice. All right. Very good. And Mr. LeBlanc, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or NSCA? Thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, so uh, nsca.org. And also, I would just recommend going to LinkedIn and finding NSCA and, and me if you're interested. But that's probably the best way to communicate. All right, very good. And I mentioned the fact that uh, at, by the time this posts, uh, a week from now, uh, NSCA will get together for uh, the biggest, uh, one of their biggest uh, gatherings of the year, the Business Leadership Conference. Uh, so you can check that out as well. Uh, for us, for AB Nation, or for me, don't don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, I'm still complaining about the Bears, and I will continue to complain <laughs> about the Bears. Although the 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 Blues did beat the uh, the New Jersey Devils the other night, so that's a positive. And that was for my buddy, uh, Mr. Bradford Ben. Uh, but go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. This posts on Monday tomorrow. On Tuesday, the 21st of, uh, of February, we will be unleashing our Reader's Choice Awards for 2022. Matt Scott joins me as we read off and unveil to you who you voted for. So you check that out as well. Also, uh, we are heading to Infocom. Uh, Infocom 2023 happens in Orlando June 10th through the 16th. Of course, the 14th, 15th, and 16th is the, the actual show. Uh, you can check out more information about that at infocomshow.org. Tom, I know you guys have a partnership and you're doing something there as well. Yeah, we're excited about that. We're going to do a one day of business-specific training 
for folks who are there to learn about technology. So a nice way to uh, complement that experience. We're excited to be working with Infocom and Avixar. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we'll see Bren there because she's on the board because she's awesome that way. Uh, and Brittany, I'm certain that we will see you guys there as well. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. So you can check out theirs at infocomshow.org. For us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. It's aviation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.